0: on local now channel five twenty
1: five. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on ninety three point nine KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
0: Well, good afternoon, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blind is producing Clark Hilton Engineering. Today, we're going to feature a conversation with Owen Strawn. He's the author of Christianity and Wokeness How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. That's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, the second hour. Of today's program. Well, today, August the 4th, 1790, represents the birthday of the U.S. Coast Guard. It was created by Congress. They authorized the Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton, to build a small fleet of 10 cutters to protect the coast. Well, as the Coast Guard marks its birthday and continues to serve a critical role under the Department of Homeland Security, we want to say happy birthday. Job well done to the U.S. Coast Guard. Another more striking news. Governor Cuomo's apology, according to one of his accusers, was fake and downright weird. Also, pointing out that the um, the Democrat is facing calls to resign by virtually all members of the New York legislature. Charlotte Bennett, one of the women who has accused the New York governor of sexual harassment, called out his uh, response to a new report detailing numerous uh, harassment allegations against him. Publicly, he would rather play dumb. Privately, he knows that he sexually harassed staffers. And I think it's easier to explain his behavior publicly by saying there was some misunderstanding. Well, Bennett was also the subject of Cuomo's video comment on the report, claiming that her accusations bothered him the most. Uh, Bennett previously rejected this apology on Twitter, tweeting out, resign at... N.Y. Gov Cuomo. Well, a long list of uh, Cuomo's fellow Democrats, including President Biden, have also called for him to step down in the CBS interview. Bennett again refused Cuomo's apology. Accepting responsibility means stepping down. So I don't believe him, she said. I don't want to apologize. It's not I don't want an apology. Rather, it's not necessary. It's fake. And his propaganda video was not only uncomfortable and inappropriate, but downright weird and unnecessary, end quote. Well, as I mentioned, a majority of New York state lawmakers support opening impeachment proceedings against the governor if he doesn't resign. At, um, at least 82 of the state assembly's 150 lawmakers have backed opening the proceedings publicly or in comments to the AP. Beginning an impeachment would require the approval of a majority of lawmakers in the Assembly, of which 106 are Democrats, 43 Republicans, 82 so far, have backed opening the proceedings for an impeachment. So that gives you some perspective. The tally comes after New York Attorney General Letitia James released a scathing report alleging that Cuomo harassed sexually at least 11 women, some of them state employees. In other developments, Cuomo defiantly declines to resign and denies wrongdoing after the bombshell harassment report. Janice Dean calls for Cuomo to be held accountable, saying, I will raise my voice until I don't have one anymore. She lost two in-laws to the coronavirus in nursing homes in New York. She uh, is rather upset about that as well. Chris Cuomo remains silent on his CNN show as the New York um, attorney general uh, says that there ought to be some accountability. And while the host himself appears in the report, nothing had been said up to that point. Uh, The CNN host ignored the bombshell news Tuesday that his brother uh, was accused by the state's attorney general. The stone silence from CNN's most watched host, who offered his brother advice and even drafted a statement to respond to the allegations against him in February, has some critics saying that he should be taken off the air. Others feel the embattled network missed a chance to display journalism morals and ethics, that have eroded in recent years. CNN's Cuomo, who had awkwardly addressed the family drama on his primetime show in the past, didn't mention the explosive report on Tuesday released earlier in the day by the New York Attorney General. Again, Letitia James. Well, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez backed Nina Turner. Well, she concedes defeat in the Ohio U.S. House race. Nina Turner, a former Ohio state lawmaker, who co-chaired the 2020 presidential run for U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, has lost her bid for the Democratic nomination for a U.S. House seat. In Tuesday's special election in the state's 11th congressional district, Cuyahoga County Councilwoman Chantel Brown was the top vote-getter in the Democratic primary, according to the Associated Press. Brown had the support from more than 50 percent of voters, while Turner drew back Uh, backing from about 44 percent, Jeff Johnson, 1.8 percent, according to The New York Times. Turner, whose supporters also include Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other squad Democrats, conceded defeat shortly after 10 p.m., invoking a quote from the Bible, according to Politico. On this night, we will not cross the river, Turner said, according to the outlet. Well, Brown, Turner and Johnson were looking to succeed former U.S. Representative Marsha Fudge, a Democrat who um, vacated the 11th district seat to accept the job with the Biden administration. In other developments, uh, Governor Whitmer fundraising letter warns of a 2022 DeVos challenge that actually doesn't exist. And Texas Representative Chip Roy calls for the impeachment of President Biden and Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. Two Texas Democrats have been arrested by Capitol Police in a voting rights protest. And the gun-owning McCloskeys have been pardoned after a, a guilty pleas in a gun-waving incident. Well, the St. Louis couple, who were famously pictured wielding guns as Black Lives Matter demonstrators marched outside their home last year, received a pardon from Missouri, Missouri Governor Mike Parson. His office announced on Tuesday, well, the pardon for Mike and uh, Patricia, two attorneys in their 60s, were granted on the 30th of July. In total, Parson, a Republican, granted 12 pardons and two commutations. The McCloskey's pleaded guilty to misdemeanors in connection with the June 2020 incident and were ordered to pay fines. Mark McCloskey uh, pled guilty to misdemeanor fourth-degree assault uh, for threatening the passersby with AK, or rather AR-15 rifles a uh, rifle and was fined seven hundred and fifty dollars. His wife, Patricia, pled guilty to harassment and was given a two thousand dollar fine. They did not lose their uh, law license or their firearms. It's a correction of something that should never have happened in the first place. Mark McCloskey uh, said of the pardons in May. McCloskey announced uh, plans to run for the U.S. Senate In other developments. The uh, Democrat with the best shot at winning the Missouri 2020 a uh, Senate race isn't running, and Missouri's A.G. Smith uh, spotlights the pushback against President Biden in the 2022 Senate GOP primary. Missouri's Vicki Hartzler jumped into the uh, GOP Senate nomination battle in the show me state. And BLM Rhode Island PAC calls for the resignation of the uh, Democrat strategist who tweeted about Senator Graham. We need to take a break. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back momentarily.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
0: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, progressives are rejoicing after the president and the CDC announced a new targeted eviction ban that the Supreme Court said they didn't have the authority to. Administer. Nonetheless, it's in place or soon will be. Meanwhile, uh, during a press briefing on Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Jen Sackey brushed off concerns about the constitutionality of the administration's decision to extend the existing eviction moratorium without congressional approval. Uh, president Biden announced Tuesday that the CDC would extend the eviction moratorium in the areas of the country that have been hardest hit by the resurgence of covid-19. Well, after making the announcement, the president conceded that the bulk of the constitutional scholars say it's not likely to pass constitutional muster. Constitution can be very inconvenient at times when a reporter suggested that many Americans are concerned about his willingness to pursue a constitutionally dubious course of action. Sackey pushed back, suggesting that the reporter was citing non-existent critics. You know, I'm going to ask you who's saying that. Well, the Supreme Court, for one. Anyway, we'll find out what happens next as the Supreme Court has spoken and the um, extension has been announced. Well, another state will require background checks for all gun sales. J.P. Morgan CEO Diamond uh, on the Didi debacle. We may think twice about China deals moving forward. The infrastructure bill includes one billion dollars. For a commission run by a senator's wife, New York City plans to ban unvaccinated who would pay who would be patrons of restaurants in the area. They will also be banned from the attending movies or going to the gym starting August 16th. So if you're planning on going now would be the time. And here's where it gets dicey. Blacks in New York City are only 31 percent fully vaccinated, by far the lowest percentage among the listed races. Hmm. If a Republican made the same declaration, the headlines would declare the effort uh, uh, would be to ban blacks in restaurants. Katie Pavlich, uh, rather Pavlich, reminds us there was a time not so long ago that Democrats opposed these types of mandates. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi categorized the issue as a matter of privacy. Back then, well, Biden's calling for Governor Cuomo to resign if the harassment is confirmed after an investigation found Cuomo sexually harassed several women. The president responded to the question if the investigation confirms the claims of the women, should he resign? And the president said, yes, I think he probably should end up. Um, being prosecuted too, Seth Mandel points out yet again, a not uh, insignificant part of this is a CNN media scandal. Cuomo was fighting back with uh, dirt on one of his accusers. Dan McLaughlin points out as of today, I'd um, give maybe two to one odds that Cuomo gets pushed out either via impeachment or a primary challenge. There are real incentives to get rid of him, but they will dissipate. Governor de Blasio, something to think about Uh, NIH directors to parents wear masks at home around your unvaccinated kids. The director of the National Institutes of Health, um, Heath Francis Collins, made the declaration on CNN, but later backtracked in a tweet saying vaccinated parents who live in communities with high COVID transmission rates should mask when out in public indoor settings to minimize risks to their unvaccinated kids. No need to mask at home. Apparently he misspoke. According to a new poll, Governor Newsom slips in the recall. It's uh, nearly dead even. Forty six percent say they plan to vote yes on the recall. Forty eight percent say no, which is within the margin of error. Meanwhile, Larry Elder is now well out front to replace him, sitting at twenty three percent, three times higher than the next opponent. John Funn points out Latinos only a racial group in favor of recall. Fifty four percent. Recall, 41% no. White split, 48% recall, 49% no. Blacks, 41% recall, 57% no. GOP, 80% recall, 16% no. And um, Indies, 54% recall, 34% no. 23% of Dems are pro-recall. Olympic swimmers asked, uh, what happened to the Russian ban for doping after losing gold to the country that was banned for cheating? A pair of swimmers finally spoke up. The D.C. Council unanimously voted against $11 million for more police to handle the growing violence there, since they apparently cut $36 million from the police in May. The city called a $5 million increase a compromise. They've cut 36. They allowed five to return. President Biden has appointed a lesbian rabbi to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Dr. Albert Moeller had this to say. This is the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Just consider the United States where religious liberty is now in a direct confrontation with the newly identified artificial rights of sexually of sexual liberty in uh, something such as the equal uh, the Equality Act. The Equality Act is probably the greatest challenge to religious liberty inside the United States in generations. Given her well-documented activism and her position on these issues, it's very unlikely that this rabbi would support religious liberty when it comes to something like the threat of the Equality Act inside the United States, much less around the world. Where the United States, under the State Department of the Biden administration, is putting pressure on nations all over the world to adopt the basic understanding of the LGBTQ revolution. Again, Albert Moeller. A former P.P. Planned Parenthood director says Planned Parenthood uh, pressured illegal immigrants to get abortions. That came as something of a uh, surprise to some. Uh, It seemed they've lost their focus instead of becoming um, uh, focused on U.S. citizens. Well, New Mexico's uh, governor is threatening to take over school boards that reject mask mandates. The Democrat governor, Michelle Luan Grisham, is upset that some school boards are giving their schools a choice. Hmm. Well, grocery stores are updating their mask policies, though Whole Foods is the only one requiring masks in all states. Otherwise, it depends on the state. You live in a state with Democrats in charge, mask up. Seven counties in the Bay Area are now mask-only zones. The Biden administration is being forced to answer questions on the planned Obama birthday bash, which has now been dialed back. Significantly, we're told, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki struggled to justify the party as they tell everyone else to stay home. Even Pierce Morgan jumped into the fight, calling Obama shamefully selfish and incredibly reckless. Well, the party has been... Uh, Canceled, at least in its original form. A new California law will make it harder for restaurants to get bacon and other pork products. That's sort of a sad commentary on our time. Meanwhile, the White House tells states to prevent evictions as Democrats in the House, where the authority actually resides, press the administration to act. President Biden ignored Speaker Pelosi's call to extend the eviction ban despite a Supreme Court opinion. He's now done so. And the House has failed to do anything about it where there is actual authority. Imagine if this was a Trump event. Barack Obama's birthday bash planned for hundreds is drawing jeers during the Delta outbreaks. Now, remember the rallies that President Trump had during the, um, the during the coronavirus? Um, Jen Circleback Saki is dodging questions on whether Uh, He's setting a bad example, but that question is now moot. Authorities likely encountered 210,000 illegal aliens trying to cross the border in July alone. A record surge of migrant children at the border finds the Biden team flat footed. Better late than never. Well, the State Department has expanded eligibility for the refugee program for Afghans with the rise of Taliban violence. And an order for mandatory covid vaccines again puts the Pentagon in cultural crosshairs. Andrew Cuomo, who didn't like COVID uh, negative only admission in nursing homes, is urging businesses to adopt vaccine only admission. And Washington, D.C. murders surpassed coronavirus deaths in July by a nearly three to one ratio. The L.A. Unified School District illegally kept millions in funds from Catholic schools. We'll see if that's going to be remedied. And in the annals of social justice, the caliphate, Canada upsets the kneeling U.S. women's soccer team. The, uh, on the, uh, uh, I should say, on the other hand, men's soccer team made the country proud. The uh, transgender weightlifter Laurel Hubbard exited the Olympic competition early after failing on all three attempts, having deprived a biological female of the opportunity to compete. China orders mass testing in Wuhan as the COVID outbreak spreads. And Senator Lindsey Graham reports a breakthrough COVID infection. A fourth police officer who responded to the January 6th attack dies by suicide. No connection has been found to the events of that day. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
0: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. In our second hour, we'll hear a conversation with Owen Strahan. He's the author of Christianity and Wokeness. That's coming up in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, the Olympic Committee is changing the rules on transgender athletes, realizing the requirement of testosterone levels leaves women at a great disadvantage when competing against men. Regardless, the issue is far bigger than temporary testosterone levels. Uh, Anyway, more on that, if time permits, in today's program. Well, the CDC has reversed course and issues a new eviction ban for most of the U.S. through the 3rd of October. Now, who thinks they're going to allow that to lapse right before Christmas? The CDC extended the Trump era policy that allows migrants to be expelled over covid concerns. And Twitter has enlisted the Associated Press for fact checking help, despite a record of journalistic flubs. Well, a federal judge uh, pauses the Texas COVID-19 migrant transport uh, order, and Biden has started a major shakeup of ICE operations amid the prediction of more migrant releases. The Taliban is emboldened by its battlefield successes in Afghanistan and the new interest expressed by China probably didn't hurt. The New York City plans to um, should say New York City plans to require vaccination for most indoor activities. Well, Muppet Babies, which targets three to eight year olds, has introduced a new character, a transgender princess. And the California YMCA hosted a pornographer to teach children art. What kind of art might that be? Well, momentum is building in Oregon for vaccine mandates. Uh, the healthcare giant Kaiser Permanente announced. Uh, Just a couple of days ago, it's going to require all employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19, including its 13,500 employees here in Oregon where a 1989 law exempts healthcare workers from employees, employers, vaccine mandates. Nonetheless, Kaiser is proceeding. We will act to apply the vaccination requirement in the northwest region, reads an email from Jeff Collins, Kaiser's northwest president. We are taking steps, including working with the Oregon Health Authority and the governor to support vaccination to the fullest extent permitted by law and any future Uh, Guidance: What that means, beginning August 23rd, unvaccinated workers will be required to be tested twice a week under a policy that allows religious and medical exemptions. The target date for workers to become fully vaccinated is September 30th. And keep in mind, two vaccinations are required in most cases. Um, Pressure on Governor Kate Brown, including from Kaiser and Kaiser's announcement and the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Health Systems push for employer mandates has been building. State Representative Lisa Reynolds and Maxine Dexter, both doctors and Democrats from Portland, have publicly endorsed changing the law to allow health care employers to mandate vaccines. And last week, the politically powerful long term care industry group, the Oregon Healthcare Association, came out in favor of changing the law. Multiple sources say they expect an announcement from the governor as soon as, well, maybe even today, though it's not clear what she will decide. We'll keep our eyes and ears open. Well, the head of the World Health Organization is calling for a moratorium on administering booster shots of COVID-19 vaccines as a way to help ensure that doses are available in countries where few people have received their first shots. World Health Organization Director General Tedros um, made the appeal mostly to wealthier countries that have far outpaced the developed world or the developing world in numbers of vaccinations. The official said that uh, the science is unproven about whether given uh, boosters shots to people who have already received two vaccine doses is effective in preventing the spread of the coronavirus. Well, as I mentioned, former president Obama has scaled back plans for a Martha's Vineyard 60th birthday party to which hundreds of guests had been invited, citing uh, revived concerns about the coronavirus. Hannah Hankins, a spokesperson for the former president, said in a statement obtained by the uh, the media outdoor events, uh, the outdoor event was planned months ago in accordance with all public health guidelines and with covid safeguards in place. Due to the new spread of the Delta variant over the past week, the president and Mrs. Obama have decided to significantly scale back the event to include only family and close friends. Now, who knows? That may be 250 people. We don't know. But President Obama is appreciative of others sending their birthday wishes from afar and looks forward to seeing people soon. Well, the birthday is uh, the president's birthday is today, but the party had been scheduled for this coming Saturday. Uh, News of the birthday party, which will reportedly include uh, 475 of the former president's closest friends or was to include them, drew the ire of critics on social media who characterized the move as hypocritical in light of the new guidance on the Delta variant. Now, former President Obama has not spoken to the subject, so uh, he may have different views on on the, uh, the subject. And apparently it was a covid friendly event. You can make up your own mind. A pro-police nonprofit organization in South Florida is accusing Facebook of refusing to promote its advertisement for an upcoming fundraising event intended to benefit the families of officers who died in the line of duty, as well as children in underserved areas of the community. Officer Chris Swinson, president of the Southeast Police Motorcycle Rodeo Committee, said that Facebook refused to boost a post-advertising ticket sales for an upcoming raffle of a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. The raffle happens yearly to correspond with an in-person motorcycle event, but due to the pandemic, the nonprofit is now more heavily relying on the online ticket sales. Well, this year, Facebook rejected the ad on the 14th of July, according to screenshots provided. Uh, To the media, well, Southeast Police Motorcycle Rodeo Committee later filed an appeal. The social media giant sent them a message explaining your ad may have been rejected because it mentions uh, politicians or is about sensitive social issues that could influence public opinion, how people vote and may impact the outcome of an election or pending legislation. Now, this is a benefit for the children of fallen uh, police officers and under other underserved children. Maybe the algorithm needs to be revisited. Our personal opinions, they went on to say on politics, are not shared through the charity whatsoever. We're not here to alienate someone. We don't care about their political views. Swenson insisted in a phone interview, um, me raising money to buy computers and equipment and washers and dryers for the Boys and Girls Club has no emphasis on politics or elections. It was the word police that got them flagged. Facebook said that the ad was rejected in error, though did not provide a date for when it will be corrected. Excuse me. For the last three decades, the Chinese military has been undertaking a systematic modernization of the People's Liberation Army. And while the conventional force modernizations have garnered most of the attention Recent revelations of a major Chinese missile silo construction effort in the West indicate that the nuclear component of the People's Liberation Army has been modernized as well. Well, the array of both nuclear and conventional missiles in the the Chinese inventory has steadily expanded in addition to two dozen or so. Of their ICBMs, the Chinese have been adding the DF-41, a mobile system that is expected to field China's first MIRVs, multiple independent reentry vehicles. Now, this will substantially increase the number of warheads Beijing has aimed at American targets, while also making it harder for the U.S. to target them. Add to that um, the recent discovery of around 100 silos in China's Gansu province and another hundred silos in Jinjiang, China's uh, construction of some 250 missile silos, would be consistent with the overall expansion of the uh, the PLARF, which I don't expect most of us would understand, which includes increasing the number of a number of other things, which I won't attempt to explain. Well, at the same time, it would mark at least an order of magnitude expansion of China's uh, intercontinental Warheads from perhaps two dozen to more than 250, which would not include the mobile DF 41s. Should China decide to place the MIRVs atop these various new missiles, the Chinese could begin to approach Russian and American warhead numbers. Each is allowed to deploy 1,500 warheads. Just uh, something to consider. Well, on this day in history, 1790, the U.S. Coast Guard has its beginning as President George Washington signs a measure authorizing a group of revenue cutters to enforce tariff and trade laws to prevent smuggling. 1830, plans for the city of Chicago are laid out. 1936, Jesse Owens wins the second of his four gold medals for the United States at the Berlin Olympics as he prevails in the long jump over German Luz Long, who is the first to congratulate him. Nineteen forty four, Anne Frank is arrested with her sister, parents, and four others by the Gestapo after hiding for two years inside a building in Amsterdam, Anne and her sister Margot would die at the Bergen Belsen concentration camp. Nineteen sixty four, the bodies of missing civil rights workers Michael Schwerner, Andrew Goodman, and James Cheney are found buried in an earthen dam in Mississippi. Nineteen seventy seven. President Jimmy Carter signs a measure establishing the Department of Energy. 1987, the Federal Communications Commission votes four to zero to abolish the Fairness Doctrine, which requires radio and television stations to present balanced coverage of controversial issues. 1993, a federal judge sentences Los Angeles police officers Stacey Kuhn and Lawrence Powell to two and a half years in prison for violating Rodney King's civil rights. In 2009, North Korean leader Kim Jong-il pardons American journalists Laura Ling and Yuna Lee for entering the country illegally and orders their release during a surprise visit by former President Bill Clinton. Finally, on this day in history, 2019, nine people are killed and dozens hurt when a a suspect wearing body armor opens fire outside a bar in Dayton, Ohio, hours after another mass shooting left 20 dead in El Paso, Texas. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
0: We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show coming up in the second hour of today's program. We'll talk with Owen Strand, author of Christianity and Wokeness. Well, the Pentagon police officer who was killed after an assailant stabbed him in the neck. Now the Metro hub outside the Department of Defense headquarters was identified today as George Gonzalez, a native New Yorker who previously served in the U.S. military in Iraq. He joined the Pentagon Force Protection Agency as a police officer in July of 2018, a military and police veteran. He'd served previously with the Federal Bureau of Prisons, the Transportation Security Administration, and the U.S. Army. He was awarded the Army Commendation Medal for his service in Iraq. A native of Brooklyn, New York, he was a diehard Yankees fan. The Pentagon Protection Agency said in a statement he was a graduate of New York City's can arise high school as a pentagon police officer he took our mission of protecting those who protect our nation to heart the agency said he was promoted twice and attained the rank of senior officer in 2020 a um, a gregarious officer he was well liked and respected by his fellow officers again the pentagon officer who was killed in a stabbing attack uh, identified as an army veteran who served in iraq Well, the Senate unveiled its long awaited one point one trillion dollar infrastructure bill on Monday in a textbook example of Washington dysfunction. Members of the uh, of uh, the Senate uh, and the uh, public will only have a few days to review the two thousand seven hundred and two pages of programs and provisions before it's voted on. In fact, I read uh, throughout the day as I was um, following the news member after member suggesting that I'm not going to have time to read it. I don't need to read it. I'm not going to read it. Analysts um, have found a variety of flaws that should give pause to legislators of both chambers, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Number one, it adds hundreds of billions of dollars to the national debt. The national debt having increased $5.2 trillion since the start of 2020, or $40,000 per household, and the economy at risk of serious inflation. America is in dire need of fiscal responsibility from the nation's leaders. Unfortunately, the Senate bill offers uh, anything but well, it's also fake and inappropriate pay-fors in the bill. It includes many provisions designed to pay for the spending spree, which are dubious, inappropriate, or both. Now, this includes a laundry list of budget gimmicks, including the sale of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, extending long-standing fees and spectrum sales. Many of these gimmicks have a history of falling short of expectations. Another gimmick known as the Interest Rate Stabilization. Or pension smoothing would allow corporations to reduce pension contributions and increase their profit margins, leading to more revenue from the corporate income tax. Now, that would shortchange the pension funds by roughly nine billion dollars for the sake of less than three billion dollars in additional tax revenue. Just a couple of examples. It also sets up a three point five trillion dollar bonanza. Uh, congressional Democrats have repeatedly stated that they will not allow any infrastructure bill to reach the president's desk uh, unless it's accompanied by a $3.5 trillion package passed along party lines through the budget procedure known as reconciliation. That will most certainly pass. Well, massive amounts of wasted transportation spending is included in this bill. Uh, while the bill spending is focused on transportation, that doesn't mean Congress is making a smart investment. On the contrary, it adds as much new spending to modes like mass transit and Amtrak as it does for highways, even though buses and rails, rails rather, account for only a tiny fraction of travel. And even the value of highway funding is hampered by wasteful set-asides, $2 million per year for bee-friendly landscaping, $50 million per year to combat weeds and expensive mandates that give unionized contractors a leg up on taxpayer-friendly non-union shops. It embeds climate activism in the Department of Transportation. The climate section of the bill expands the size and scope of the federal government with alternative fuel corridors, grants for electric and alternative vehicle refueling stations, cost sharing for weather resistant um, infrastructure, workforce training programs and even grants for reflective sidewalks and tree planting. By and large, uh, there are highly local projects that should be paid for by residents and users, and in some cases, such as electric vehicle charging stations, uh, duplicate what states and private sector is already doing. Most significantly, Section 11403 requires states to reduce carbon dioxide emissions from highway transportation by developing state carbon reduction strategy plans that must be approved by the federal government and update at least every four years. The bill doesn't indicate what environmental benefits these strategies are to achieve or what level of reductions will be required. this gives a lot of leeway to the federal bureaucracy to define the goals and the minimal accountability to Americans as to cost and benefits of the program. It includes corporate welfare for the energy sector. The energy section incorporates the Energy Infrastructure Act of Senator Joe Manchin. From West Virginia that spends exorbitantly on virtually every energy technology, fuel and supply chain. It hands out uh, its handouts rather include grants, loan guarantees, cost sharing programs, federally funded research development, demonstration and commercialization. The bill spends on major new programs at the Department of Energy. Um, riddling the uh, energy sector with cronyism and barriers to entry for companies and technologies that don't fit the federal government's definition and mold of innovation. So they will control uh, innovation to uh, some degree. It applies social justice approach to broadband Internet the package provides nearly $65 billion for expanding broadband Internet service. Of that, that bill allocates $42 billion for the Broadband Equity Access and Development Program that funds grants for broadband infrastructure and related projects. The program also places an emphasis on favoring municipal broadband networks, which are government and nonprofit broadband networks. When local governments um, overbuild existing networks, it limits the ability of private Internet service providers that are already serving the area to recoup costs of deploying and operating their own networks as the new government networks take customer share so there's a, a issue of balance uh, in there and these these are just brief overviews there are many more details that uh, need to be considered that members have already said they won't uh, wasteful protectionist mandates since taking office the president has made government procurement increasingly more difficult and more costly america's uh, dozens of domestic Content requirements create burdens for businesses, decrease competition for government contracts, and increase cost to taxpayers. It also has modest uh, progress on reducing red tape. The legislation codifies several reform initiatives under executive order by former President Donald Trump that were rescinded by Biden. Among them, the one federal decision framework that includes designation of a, uh, of a, uh, lead agency for each major project to navigate environmental reviews and the compilation of agencies finding into a a single record of decision. Well, Trump also called for reducing the uh, processing time of environmental reviews, um, uh, and that would ease the the, uh, um, process of trying to um, reduce red tape. Well, that was rescinded, and this bill does not— go far enough or at all in trying to address that concern. And again, I'm abbreviating pretty dramatically, but there you have it. The key takeaway, this is not a bill that is reasonable, nor will the members have the opportunity or take the opportunity to read it, to debate some of these questions and perhaps amend it in a way that makes it more tenable. The bipartisan group promoting the infrastructure bill uh, deal are attempting to sell it as reasonable, centrist, uh, in reality, it would greatly expand the size and scope of the federal government, needlessly add to the national debt, waste hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars and promote a variety of far left causes. Improving America's infrastructure is worthwhile. Um, that should have bipartisan support. This bill is um, is not the way to do it. And of course, it is inexorably linked to the other human infrastructure bill that is significantly higher and will be and can be passed with one party approval alone. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. In the second hour, you'll hear from Owen Strand. He is the author of Christianity and Wokeness. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
0: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, I've been looking forward to the conversation we're just about to have with Dr. Owen Strand. He's the author of Christianity and Wokeness how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it. It's published by Salem books. He points out that wokeness has been a term that's widely used by the media and the left since 2014. Well, since then the idea of wokeness has bled into the culture, into television. And now even our churches preachers are speaking on critical race theory, telling their congregations that silence is violence and that whiteness is white supremacy And while these pastors might mean well, this so-called woke gospel is not true justice or true Christianity. Well, Dr. Strand is the provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary and senior fellow with the Family Research Council. He's become an expert on social justice and wokeness. In his latest book, Christianity and Wokeness, Dr. Strand writes about the alternative religion of wokeness, one that is far from Christ's teaching. And by diving into the teachings of critical race theory and its problematic cousin, wokeness, Dr. Strand has a simple warning to the American church. By embracing wokeness, you're embracing teaching antithetical to the gospel. And that's an important point we need to uh, to ponder here today. Well, again, Dr. Strand is a provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary and a senior fellow with the Family Research Council, earned his Ph.D. in theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He's the author of some 20 books, including Reenchanting Humanity, A Theology of Mankind. He lives with his family in Conway, Arkansas, and I am just delighted that he is with us here today. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Having you back on. I really appreciate
0: it. Well, this is such an important topic, and I fear that many of us are using the words or even referencing some of the concepts without fully understanding what they mean or the implications of it. So, this is such a timely book. And as the title would suggest, this book is written uh, for those who embrace a Christian worldview or at least have some curiosity about a Christian worldview to discover whether or not it's compatible. Wokeness or critical race theory is compatible. Uh, with a biblical worldview.
2: Yes, that's exactly right. Fundamentally, wokeness means uh, being awake to the nature of America as a systemically racist and uh, unjustly unequal society. So when you wake up to that, you become essentially an activist against that situation, that complex of factors. And then critical race theory means Uh, This this academic discipline that signals this academic discipline that trains you to understand that America is divided along the lines of racial power dynamics such that white people effectively function as oppressors who foment white supremacy, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And people of color are uh, are structurally oppressed people, uh, no matter what their situation is, whether they are millionaires or poor, it does not matter. That's how critical race theory approaches uh, our society. So these, these ideologies, as you very rightly said just a minute ago, are cousins. They're very similar. They're simpatico with one another, and they pose a major threat to the Christian faith today. Tragically, very few Christians are being warned about these mm-hmm. systems And even fewer still are being trained to understand them. And so that means that the gospel and the Christian worldview more generally is in danger of being hijacked today.
0: Now, one of the things I want to emphasize before we move on is as an African-American, I know that racism exists in this country, but I wholly reject critical race theory. One of the uh, components of it is there's no redemption. It's not a, a matter of identifying racism as it exists Either systematically or in the life of the individual, there's no redemption. You will always be the oppressor. I will always be the victim. There's no reconciliation or restoration. You are perpetually owing the victim, which would be me in this case. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, it's again antithetical to the Christian principle of redemption through Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, you can kind of understand how it has a sort of secular pull to it. If you take grace out of your worldview, If you take forgiveness and unity in Christ out of your way of thinking, honestly, this way of thought makes a lot of sense, because it's basically a world of holding one another to account writ large across generations. Now, I don't mean to to indicate that these concepts are sound, but I do mean if you deny the existence of forgiveness, of grace, of getting over past sins, of making societal progress, If you believe that the the evils of the past can never be overcome, then this is the system for you, because it allows you basically to stereotype people, to buy into race essentialism, the, the vision that there is a hard and fast reality of whiteness and blackness, for example, that separates us as human people. And then you can live in this kind of perpetual victimhood cycle where, yes, America has real failings and sins in its past, Uh, It it hasn't magically extinguished them in the present, and we're going to fight partiality in the future. But this system teaches you that America is actually more racist today Mm -hmm. in 2021 than in the days of white supremacy in the 19th century. And that is a claim that shows you that we are not in a system that is actually working against racism and for justice here. We are working with a system that is pro-racism in a new form, even though very few people know it to be that.
0: Mm. And unlike the civil rights movement, the goal isn't a level playing field where we all have equal opportunity uh, to develop our gifts and to pursue opportunities. That's, that's not the goal. It is to foment the the kind of disunity that says you will owe me always. And I will, Uh, take from you always because that's just your nature and there's no getting around it.
2: Yes. It's very similar to when in a personal relationship, we reject forgiveness. Uh, We all know that there can be hard relationships that we face. Every one of us does in some form. And we think in certain instances, I'm going to hang on to my bitterness here. Uh, This person has come to me and asked forgiveness, but it feels freeing to be angry uh, to, to be a victim in our own mind. In reality, that that is to be trapped. That is to be imprisoned by your anger. And and tragically, uh, that is what wokeness does. It traps you in a cycle of anger and victimhood, where you never can move past America's past failings, especially those that were codified in law and policy. And instead, you bring the the anger of the past into the into the present. And you then indict people who have had no participation, let's say, in slavery or Jim Crow or segregation and are often bewildered by the claims of critical race theory. But that's what this system trains you to do in doing so. It doesn't free you. It's not it's not solving the problem of racism. It's actually entrapping you. Satan is actually behind the system and he loves it because there's no forgiveness in it. There's no peace in it. And there certainly is no gospel unity in the name of Jesus Christ. Today.
0: We're talking about a neo-Marxist system. Uh, before we go to break here, can you give us a definition of critical race theory and wokeness?
2: Yes, critical race theory is the view that America is divided along the lines of racial power dynamics with white people effectively in neo-Marxist terms as oppressors, and people of color as the oppressed, Wokeness is the broader mindset and mentality, I believe, that embracing critical race theory creates. So lots of people are never going to read a page of CRT, but they can be woke, which means being awake to the nature of systemic racism and inequality in America.
0: We're talking this afternoon with uh, Dr. Owen Strand. He is the author most recently of Christianity and Wokeness. How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. The book is published by Salem Books. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show Quick Break and we'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
0: We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing a conversation with Dr. Owen Strand. He is the author most recently of Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. Now, when you think about the broader culture, there are major concerns about critical race theory and this call to become woke. But as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, I'm most concerned about the problematic elements of the church embracing critical race theory. So let's talk about why it's problematic and where you see this headed if the church doesn't wake up.
2: Yeah, great question. As I say in uh, Christianity and Wokeness, this new book, fundamentally, This is not the way to view the world, because critical race theory, if embraced, actually trains you in Mm neo-racism. It's grounded in race essentialism, or what is sometimes called strategic essentialism. Critical race theory is not actually grounded in the Christian faith or in a foundational truth system. It's grounded in midair. Its feet are firmly planted in midair. It's a postmodern system but it trains us to at least act as if a race is a real thing. And in doing so, it then builds off of that and says the history of America means that whiteness effectively creates a system of white supremacy that entraps people of color. And so we need to recognize this is a system that is making truth claims, not truth claims that are grounded in Christianity, uh, but truth claims that are grounded in neo-Marxist ideology. And the Christian faith speaks a much, much better word. It trains us that everybody is made in the image of God, that we have all fallen in Adam, Genesis 3, a real historical fall by a real historical Adam, and that we do all commit sins against one another. We do show partiality against one another, including because of skin color and background, and that is vile. That's sinful. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Christian faith actually gives you the moral framework to know that racism is wrong, unlike postmodernism, which has no such foundation.
0: Now, do critical race theorists um, see uh, CRT running parallel to Christianity in that social justice is ultimately the goal? Or do they, as neo-Marxists, reject the notion of religion or Christianity in particular as being part of the problem?
2: That's a great question. You hear different tones from different people. Probably the best known woke voice in America today is Ibram X. Kendi, Mm -hmm. a professor at Boston University. And Kendi rejects the form of Christianity, some sort of undefined form, but he rejects Protestant Christianity for what he calls anti-racism. And he has gone so far as to say that, this is a direct quote, anti-racism is life. And what he seems to mean by that is that even though he doesn't give you a fully coherent religious worldview, actually, uh, his version of wokeness can function in those terms. If you will embrace being an anti-racist and working for social justice through anti-racism, you will end up uh, partaking of life. You will end up fully living. So we need to recognize that what voices like Kendi's offer us may not have a fully mapped out religious worldview, but they at least are functioning as if their worldview is the true one, and and that we should not follow the Christian worldview, we should follow them. And there we see that these are oppositional systems. You cannot blend Christianity with critical race theory, or with wokeness, or with intersectionality, the way people say you can.
0: Now, how does this uh, align with, or does it align with um, the liberal view of Christianity, in which the general moral good, as opposed to the redemption of the individual soul through Jesus Christ, is ultimately the goal? Does this appeal to um, the, the the more of a liberal view of of Christianity?
2: That is the point I make in the opening pages of this book. Uh, I think that this is basically a racialized form of the social gospel of 100 Mm -hmm. years ago. So I I think this is new in one sense in that it's strongly focused on solving so-called systemic racism, which is basically a made-up concept today in America from the left. But I I do think it has all the the infrastructure, it's built on the skeleton of the social gospel of 100 years ago, which we thought in Protestant circles basically died out. Uh, Georgie, it turns out that the social gospel is not dead at all. No, It's back. It has a new spin. It has a strongly racial spin uh, that fits our age, because everybody in America is terrified of being even called a racist. If you even throw the charge of racism in many people's direction, they they will fall to the ground. They won't think it through. They won't defend themselves. They won't separate genuine partiality, true racism, so-called, uh, from, from fake racist charges. They will simply flee. And uh, anti racist and woke voices and critical race theorists know that. And very, very few people will respond to the system. Very few people will destroy the stronghold in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6 sense. And that is a huge part of why the racialized social gospel is advancing so imperially today.
0: Mm. And why your book, uh christianity and wokeness is so important right now so so that we can understand what's happening and the fact that from my perspective this is a devilish plot to try to weaken the church and undermine god's calling on his people now can you explain the concepts you kind of touched on them a little bit the concepts of white privilege and white supremacy which again are used to bludgeon uh caucasians in our culture
2: yeah, white privilege basically means that because white people are the dominant group, the majority group in American culture, there's just a horde of benefits that they have that people of color cannot have. So America is not an equal society um, because wokeness functions out of the, the ideology of, of neo-Marxism, and it believes that everybody should have equality of outcome it believes that fundamentally to even have a majority culture is basically wrong. So white privilege is a very bad thing. I say this in the book, Georgine, but I think much of what woke voices call white privilege and indict as sinful and wrong is simply a function of having a majority culture. Mm -hmm. Most countries in the world have a majority culture. And there are some societal norms in Japan or in Russia or in Nigeria uh, or in Canada, places in Canada, majority culture should not be understood as perfect. Nor I, do I think, at least in a lot of places, should it be under, understood as inherently, fundamentally evil. It's really a blend of things. But what critical race theory and wokeness do is poison majority culture, weaponize majority culture, and tell us uh, when you have a lot of white people, you have this condition of white supremacy. That's the second term you asked about. White supremacy does not refer to burning crosses in front yards anymore it refers to what happens when white people are white out in public and that means that white people are constantly transmitting the bio power of whiteness uh, they're committing all sorts of what are called microaggressions in conversation where because they are the the majority group they are effectively oppressing people whether or not they ever say something racist or do something racist or not. So as you said a minute ago, this is a devilish system because it tells you that you are inherently racist as a white person, or if you're somebody who hasn't challenged white supremacy. And then if you deny that you're a racist, it says, see, your denial proves that you're a racist. So it has you either way. It has all the exits covered. And that's one of the ways that it shows that it is a bankrupt system.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation this afternoon with Dr. Owen Strand, the author most recently of Christianity and Wokeness, how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
0: Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm so honored to have uh, Dr. Owen Strand uh, as our guest this afternoon. His book, uh, most recently, Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. I think there's something appealing in general to believers who want desperately to be relevant in the culture, who want to address uh, issues of wrong and to try to set them right. Uh, the, The phrase social justice just appeals to the Christian heart where you want to to see things um, uh, repaired, and yet um, there is a move afoot that uh, would would draw us in and draw us away from what the scriptures teach. And I appreciate so much what this book, Christianity and Wokeness, does in helping to inform us not only what it means, how it's infiltrating the church, but what we can do. Uh, to stop it, uh, because as followers of Jesus, our primary concern, I mean, the culture is going to go uh, its way. But what I'm primarily concerned about as a Christian is what does this mean for the church? And are we being distracted and, and lured away from what God is calling us to do? Now, Dr. Strand, do you think that um, uh, there is a purposeful indoctrination happening in the media, in the culture and schools and even in our churches? And what does that mean for believers and the church moving forward?
2: yeah there are hard forms and softer forms the harder forms are typically in our public school classrooms today where critical race theory is definitely being taught uh the left has reacted to the backlash the just backlash against crt and wokeness by saying that conservatives and the far right are making crt this boogeyman, uh and and they're they're protesting that um, teaching against racism is happening in schools, and, and so the far right doesn't want to acknowledge racism. Again, it's, it's, it's creating this stigma, and that is not at all the case. Um, TRT is very clearly getting into our schools. To give just one example, the Buffalo school system uh, was outed through internal documents uh, as teaching that white people are effectively white supremacists, the kind of ideas that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And so this is out there. This, this is this is in the mix. We should assume it's in the boardroom. Uh, it's it's now increasingly in movies. It's in public schools. It's in entertainment. And it's definitely getting into the church. In many cases, it gets into the church in a soft form. And that's, that's the way it works with the social gospel as well. Very few Protestant pastors are going to stand up and give an hour-long diatribe about critical race theory in, in a pro-CRT way. What they're going to do is they're going to Christianize it, and that's compromised, but they're going to say, we need to think through white fragility, white privilege, white supremacy, we need to think about um, uh, systemic racism and structural inequality, and that's the way that, that wokeness is getting into the church today, through the usage of those terms and then through literature that promotes this worldview, even though many pastors will say they're not themselves fully woke or fully pro-CRT. They're just trying to introduce some of the ideas for consideration. And it's through such weak and compromised leadership that the church is being influenced by the woke social gospel.
0: Hmm. My next question was going to be, what are some of the signs of a woke church? And you've answered that question. But how can we address our concerns with church leadership? It, It can be awkward. It can be... Uh, challenging, strained, how can we approach as parishioners, and and perhaps among our listeners today, some leaders in the church, how can we do that in a way that's consistent with a, a Christian worldview, but addresses what's going wrong?
2: Great question. As I say in Christianity and Wokeness, my new book, life is too short to sit under unsound doctrine. So what you need to do if these ideas are getting into your church, and you will be able to tell You will know when secular sociology is coming into the pulpit, and and the preacher is no longer standing upon the Word of God. If you hear the kind of ideas that we have talked about in this show, uh, then indeed, you are hearing wokeness talking. And I would encourage your listeners, and I know you have many, to make an appointment with their pastor, their elders, whoever it may be, and sit them down and graciously talk through their convictional concerns. And if the leadership does not change course, does not repent, that's what they should do, uh, then it is time for you to find a new church, and you should do so uh, with wind in your sails, because you do not want to be taken captive by godless ideology, Colossians 2.8. And if you have a family, as many folks will, you don't want them to be taken captive. You want to sit under sound doctrine, and you want to sit under the ministry of Christ's gospel which is not a gospel fundamentally of of racial hostility. It is a gospel of fundamental unity through the blood of Jesus Christ.
0: What's at stake if the church veers off course, as it sometimes does, uh, with critical race theory and becoming woke, reflecting the culture rather than the gospel?
2: What's going to happen is what happened 100 years ago with the social gospel, which tore through evangelicalism like a tornado. Um, basically the social gospel took over many churches, many schools, many seminaries, many institutions, missions, agencies, and so on. And it corrupted them. And it caused many uh, one-time evangelical institutions to stop preaching the gospel of the new birth and to start preaching the gospel of cultural change. And to this day, the American mainline is still dying on the vine because of the the introduction of the social gospel roughly 100 years ago. If we do not want that to happen in our time again, basically 100 years later, uh, we are going to have to fight like crazy, not fighting out of hatred of flesh and blood, uh, fighting out of love, love for God, love for God's truth, and love for image bearers and church members. We don't want taken captive by these ideologies. We know how this story plays out. It played out just a hundred years ago. There are books, dozens of books, written about the effects of the social gospel, and uh, it's going to happen again. It is now playing out in real time again. Satan is using a racialized social gospel in our day, and it is time for every Christian to get to the ramparts. It is time for every Christian to get to the wall. One of the major ways you can do that, whether you are in ministry or not, whether you ever spend a minute in a seminary class or not, it does not matter. You can get equipped on these issues. You can read a book like mine, Christianity and Wokeness. You can pick up Bodie Bauckham's Fault Line. Mm -hmm. You can get Jeffrey Johnson's What Every Christian Needs to Know About Social Justice. And you can get equipped. And then you can start talking to people in your church, in your social group, in your workplace, in your school, and you can take a stand. And oftentimes, you actually don't need 6,000 people to take a stand for it to be effective. In many cases, the fire is lit by just one person in a community, in a church, in whatever environment it may be. So do not think that you are too small for the task and that God cannot use you because perhaps you may not be in ministry. That is a lie. God will use a Christian as salt and in incredible ways if we will stand on the Word of God.
0: Amen. We're talking about Christianity and wokeness. I should mention that you have a recommended uh, recommended reading list, which is very helpful. You have some secular sources to understand wokeness uh, from proponents, as well as understanding wokeness from non-Christians and to answer wokeness for Christians. So that's in the book, as well as a glossary of terms as you're hearing them used to understand what's meant by them so that we can speak clearly and with understanding about this this issue in our day. Once again, the book is titled Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. The book is published by Salem Books just out, and I would highly recommend you read it if you want to be relevant and understand what's happening in the culture. I think you need to to do so with, you know, on your knees praying, God, how would you use me to speak truth to the culture and to the church uh, as needed? Uh, Dr. Strand, I am so grateful for you and your willingness to stand on truth and equip fellow believers so that we can honor Christ in our day here in the 21st century. Thank you so much for talking with us today.
2: Well, those are very gracious words. I appreciate you very much, Georgine, and thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments. By the way, if you happen to be in your car and didn't get the title of the book, you can go to the Georgine Rice Show Facebook page or kpdq.com. You can call the office. We want to make sure you get Christianity and Wokeness: How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9
0: KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the debate over critical race theory in schools and in government, well, it's raging now and infiltrating and dividing the church. Well, at a heated school board meeting in Fort uh, Fort Worth, Texas, recently, critical race theory was on trial. But it was God who many speakers used as a witness. Well, on the one side of those um, opposed to critical race theory, like Danielle Buck, a parent who said, I believe in what God says in the uh, in the Imago Day that all of us have intrinsic value, regardless of the color of our skin. We have all been created in the image of God. Then there are pastors like Ryan Price who supported it in the church. We have a saying, keep your hand on the plow. You're plowing hard ground. Price said the roots of racism and inequality are deep. More reason to hold on tight and keep at it for the sake of truth, humanity and unity. Well, critical race theory has started to cause fissures in evangelical circles. In 2019, the Southern Baptist Convention, you might recall, one of the most conservative Christian denominations, adopted Resolution 9 that accepted some of the tenets of critical race theory as a tool to understand how race has and continues to function in society. But theologian Vadi Bakum, he is the author of the book that is a must read, Fault Lines, said many efforts like this, though well-intentioned, ignore how critical race theory clashes with Christianity on core issues. And that ought to be the measure for what we embrace, what we reject. Now, generally, these kinds of movements are made out of sand. There are little bits and pieces of rock. There's truth embedded in little small portions of it. But the thing as a whole cannot support the weight of Truth on its own. Uh, Critical race theory is at odds with Christianity because it takes the problem of racism out of the individual heart and puts it out there somewhere in systems and structures. That's how um, Vadi Bakum explains it. And he's African-American. And he reminded Christians that Christ came to redeem us from our sin and our sin is in here, not out there. Well, Bakum said the Resolution 9 uh, that started the Southern Baptist Convention voted to uh, vote rather was actually a watered-down version of the original, which took much a much harsher view of critical race theory. As an example, one section of the original resolution said this, whereas critical race theory and intersectionality are founded upon unbiblical presumptions descended from Marxist theories and categories and therefore are inherently opposed to the scriptures as the true center of Christian union, Continued from there. But the final resolution, the adjusted and amended version, said this Whereas critical race theory and intersectionality alone are insufficient to diagnose and redress the root causes of the social ills that they identify, which result from sin, yet these analytical tools can aid in evaluating a variety of human experiences. Well, in his book, Baucom, he warns of a looming catastrophe within evangelicalism as critical race theory and other social justice movements oftentimes use the language of faith to promote the promote rather the ideology, like saying slavery is America's original sin. So when people start talking about original sin, he says. They're stepping into a theological lane. And if you're going to talk about original sin, then there has to be an answer to how we're forgiven for that original sin. You won't find that in critical race theory. And the great irony of race uh, theory and anti-racism is that there is no forgiveness there. You just have to perpetually do the work of anti-racism and you never get to a point where that work is finished. There's no forgiveness. There's no salvation because there is no savior. End quote. But one of the reasons that Christians are drawn to critical race theory is because it sounds like the things they believe in. Tom Plumley, who's a senior minister of First Christian Church in Fort Worth, told the school board members how he supports critical race theory and said to keep teaching his grandchildren the truth and the humility and humanity of all their neighbors. It's not about helping them feel bad about being white, although it is. But helping them learn ways all of us can someday overcome every evil through truth, humility and unity, he said. Well, Bacham said the irony is that both sides of the divide are reading the same Bible, looking for divine guidance for the same human problems and coming to different conclusions. Uh, As we consider the scriptures and our need for a savior, our need for redemption, the call to forgiveness, that all has to be weighed in light of critical race theory that has none of it for certain groups. Uh, who fall on one side of the ledger. If you are going to think Christianly about these issues, we need to think biblically as well and understand what critical race theory is actually teaching, the dissolution of the family, for example, uh, before we embrace it. Well, in other news, uh, the new domestic war on terror kicked off by the riot on January 6th has prompted several web giants to unveil... um, uh, what effectively could become a soft social credit system like they have in China, a social credit system by the end of this decade. Now, relying on an indirect hand from D.C., our social betters in corporate America, are going to attempt to force the most profound changes on our society uh, since, well, it's beginning, during the Internet era, certainly. Well, China's social credit system is a combination of government and business surveillance That gives citizens a score that can restrict the ability of individuals to take actions such as purchasing plane tickets, acquiring property or taking loans uh, because of behaviors. You're either uh, scoring high or low based on a metric that they have decided. Well, given the position of several major American companies, a similar system may be coming here sooner than you think. Last week, PayPal announced a partnership with a left wing southern poverty uh, law center to investigate the role of white supremacists and propagators of anti-government rhetoric, subjective labels that potentially could impact a large number of groups or people using their surveillance. For example, if you were anti-government during the Trump era, well, that's a good thing. If you're anti-government during the Biden era, well, that's something that will uh deprive you of points in this system. Well, PayPal says the uh, collected information uh, will be shared, um, uh, will be shared and that uh, uh, assigned numbers will be applied. The anti-government rhetoric subjective labels potentially could impact a good number of us. Now, Facebook is taking similar measures, recently introducing messages that ask users Uh, To snitch on their potentially extremist friends, which, considering the platform's bias, seems mainly to target the political right or conservatives. At the same time, Facebook and uh, Microsoft are working with several other web giants and the United Nations on a database to block potential extremist content, which they, of course, will decide Uh, Falls in that category. Well, the actions of these major companies may seem logical in an Internet riddled with scams and crime. After all, nobody will defend far right militias or white supremacist groups using these platforms for their odious goals. However, the same issue with government censorship exists with corporate censorship. If there is a line, who draws it? Will the distinction between mundane political and extremism be a... um, Well, I'll know it when I see it scenario, as former Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart described obscenity. If so, will there be individuals able to unilaterally remove people's effective ability to use the Internet? Could a Facebook employee equate Ben Shapiro with David Duke and remove his account? Well, sadly, the answer seems to be yes. Uh, We're already seeing little bits and pieces of that, but uh, a more organized, synthesized approach seems to be approaching. America's own social credit system coming soon. Well, we're out of time. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Clark Hilton for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show a part of your day. Have a great night.
1: Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook.